want to find your way back to your seats. And our 11th hour students are going to be hanging out in the service with us today because it is our fifth Sunday of the month. So, yeah, we can cheer them on. And um, I promise, I promise that you will um, have a lot to listen to. So you get to listen to me today and hang out with me. So, um, and I have two 11th hour students, so I feel like I can talk to you too. So, (laughs) Um, okay, so. There are some weeks in life that you definitely feel like you run the whole, like, gamut of emotions and grit and your family kind of has to, like, pull together and and make all these things happen. And this is definitely one of those weeks for the Helpman family. Um, We woke up on Tuesday morning to our basement flooded, so that was awesome. Um, And you don't actually realize that you like hot water until you don't have it. And here I know, I t- I'm telling you, I know like Guatemala, we go and I-, I love being in Guatemala. I love that whole experience. But when you are already like 10 deep behind on your laundry experience, and then you don't have hot water to throw into that. Now I know you could do cold cycle, but there are some funky things that smell when you have that many kids. So it, I was sad for a couple days and the height of stress was high because when something happens like that, like when your basement floods, you still have like to do life and you still have to like show up places and you don't have, and then you're not showered. And so that was happening. So we had that going on. Um, and then as the week was building, we were trying to take care of that. And so Friday was a big day in our family. My oldest daughter was, had been nervous for weeks and days. Um, she was going for beating a record, um, at the Smoky Mountain Conference and track. And so I take all that in as a mom. Like, I felt like I wasn't sleeping for her. Like, I felt like I was, I had no chill effect on this moment. Like, I felt like I was actually her running that race, but I wasn't. But she did it. Yay! She beat the record, uh, which was awesome. And I, um, so there's a couple things that happened in that moment. Number one, again, I don't have any chill, especially on the finish line, especially when I'm cheering for my oldest daughter. Like I, I laid it all out there. And, um, and so she comes across the finish line. She beat the 15 the year record that had been um, in place. She beat it. And so I go and I'm like, surely she's going to turn around and like, give me a hug or come over to me. And I'm like, we did it, you know? And she not, not once did she? And I'm like, I gave you those legs and I didn't like, there was embracing and cheering all on the other side of the fence, which I was not on. And so, um, anyway, so floods and her beating the record. And so a lot of different emotions going on. And then yesterday we gathered here, um, to surround Maggie and Arlie. And it was, I, I just, if I could describe yesterday, um, It was so inspirational to gather together and to hear stories about a life that was so well lived. And, you know, so that was, I don't think there was a dry eye here. And I want to say that I am beyond proud of how so many of you came and showed up and just showed support and love for for Maggie and loved on them. And um, it, it was one of those moments that as a church community that I was very proud to say I belong to this community of people because from the meal downstairs to coming together to support to just bringing things that we needed to help that to to bring that together so I just wanted to say thank you um 
you know, so again, emotions have been high and low and all over the place. And, um, and then also today for like two months, my seven-year-old or my about to turn seven-year-old has been reminding me that her birthday is coming this week and we have promised to take her to Chuck E. Cheese. So that's also happening today. Um, so all the, all types of feeling and, uh, we're, we're continuing on in our series this week, and it was one of those things that's like, if, if, if one more thing comes across my plate, I might actually bust my brain. Like, I can't, I can't hold one more thing. And so Jeff has been asking me, um, you know, how is your message coming? Like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I have nothing. I, I have nothing to say. What am I going to talk about? Our basement flooding? Like, what? I have nothing to talk about today. And he's like, you'll find something. You always have something to say. Ha, uh, yeah, ha, ha. <laughs> We've been married for 18 years. He can say that. So this week, we actually are continuing on in the book, and we're in chapter 37, and and the the topic today is the uprising of partnership. And I will give you a heads up before we get serious. It is my fault that there are no slides because of all the things I just told you. So there are no slides today, so you can just completely focus on my soothing voice and my inspiration. Um... The word partnership, it brings a lot of things to my mind. And when I think about partnership, um, this week there was a lot of like procrastinating. I couldn't get myself to sit down. And so what I did before I started writing anything very profound is I started making a list of all of the famous partners that I could think of. Like, because I was kind of stuck on that. Like that we have all these kind of word connections with people or things that would remind us of partnerships. you know, from old to new. So I'm going to, just for fun, I want you to help me out um, and help me finish these famous partners. So Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Oh, that was very enthusiastic. Thank you. Batman and Bert and uh, Mario and Thelma and Romeo and okay, this is a little harder. This was actually for Jeff and he's not sitting here and I'm really mad. Mulder and Okay, X-Files, yes. Okay, parents, Phineas and? Yes. Um, Chips and? Salsa. Uh, Ben and? Bacon and? Ketchup and? Oh, french fries, mustard, okay. And then then because we have a a double partnership here, Jeff and? Yeah, that's a a shout out to the Mars as well. So partnerships... They reflect bonds. They reflect common ground. They reflect people coming together. There's a reason why, if I said one of those words, you could remember the other one, because it's something that we've heard. There are people, our stories that we've read. There are um, images that we've seen on the TV screen or in a movie. And they certainly, they reflect a connection that is hard to describe or hard to put into words. Why those things go together? Why do people come together? And partnerships are strong, and they, they bring people together for the greater good of a certain cause. So thinking of people in your lives that you see kind of coming alongside each other to do something bigger, something beyond who they are. So we see partnerships in all kinds of settings. So think with me, like your favorite sports team, when they are facing like the final champion, you know, the best moment, uh, that game that is like the, the needed win. Those are partnerships that get that win, that goal across the finish line, that final basket, those people coming together toward the big moment. They show up when you see perhaps 
magical choreography on the dance floor, when you see two people or two partners or a group of people working together, those people are partnered and they're in sync and they're in rhythm and they're working together. Perhaps in a captivating book or in the sounds of your favorite songs or when you go and you're watching the best movie, your favorite movie of all time. Those are partnerships from behind the scenes to in front of the scene. A partner can be the person or persons that you do life with and you do it really well. And so I think that even as I'm beginning to talk about that, perhaps some of you are thinking of people or individuals in your world that you wouldn't, you wouldn't dream of doing this life without them. There are, they are your people, the ones that come alongside you and they carry you, the ones who will never stop cheering you on. Partnerships exist in communities like the Grove. Partnerships exist in families. And we notice it's such a gift to have those people in our world. And we couldn't imagine having to do it without them. And even in our moments when we feel alone, and we all have those moments, that total aloneness, we have the most powerful partner of all time on our side. We were created in the likeness and image of one of the very best partners above all else. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Truth be known, partnerships are all around us, as we've been talking about. And they can even be seen in our history from the very beginning of the creation of this universe. We can't bear the weight of this world alone. We were never meant to do that. We were made to belong to one another. We were made to, to join forces together. We were made to do life with each other. We were made for human togetherness. See, when God reigns in the Genesis story, when he looks out and he sees all the things that he has created, he looks and he says that this is good. It's so good. We see this and we read this on the pages of scripture. scripture. There's that, the, the only way I can think to describe it is there's this radical wellness that exists between all created things. The relationships in creation are coming together and they are representing the goodness of God. In Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to read this to you because it's not going to be on the screen. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish this earth and subdue it. And have dominion over all the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Verse 31, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was good, very good. This description of radical wellness between all relationships in creation is precisely where partnerships first began. In fact, the kingdom of God looks like a gigantic partnership right from the very beginning. The kingdom of God began with the image and the reality of all things blessing all things. And in, in fact, um, Hebrew scholars, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I read a lot of books, so 
what I love about this description is there's this connection of the language of creation that we can read about in this beginning creation story. So in the Hebrew language, as we're seeing this creation unfold, what we see between the, the words and between the verbs and the nouns and the words that are used here is there is a connection of goodness between things. It is used to describe from the very beginning of creation that we see goodness exists between all things that are created. And somewhere along the line, there's been a shift in how we even use that language today. In fact, in many of the Greek writings in the New Testament, we could actually see that there is goodness described within something, an individual thing, unlike the Hebrew description where there is this description of goodness between, between all things. Somewhere throughout our history, we've maybe departed from that beautiful beginning, from all blesses all. And when we move ourselves away from that, that is the opposite of Genesis 1. It's the opposite of God and, and Jesus and the Spirit. We now maybe we see categories of people. We see people in certain ways. It's an us and them. It's maybe they're, they're one of us or they're not. There's distinctions between those who are in and out. But this beginning story was intended for all things to be for all things. Partnered together to be a full reflection of the very goodness and glory of God. So this gift of partnership has been with us all along. And we, where we sit today, have the power to decide how we will continue that partnership and how powerfully effective it can be when we lock arms together and we get on mission with each other. That potential truly and literally lies in our hands. After Jesus' resurrection, there was an uprising of partnership that began to spread like fire. The disciples were commissioned with a purpose, for they had work to do. Jesus got right down to business and said, you, you, there's no time to waste here. You have to get going. And so they did. But they didn't go about their work alone. They locked arms. They lived on mission together because they had good news to share, and they were not meant to share it alone. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, the 11 disciples, having spoken to the Marys, headed to Galilee, to the mountain where they were to meet Jesus. And when the disciples saw Jesus there, many of them fell down and worshipped him as Mary and the other Mary had done. But a few hung back because they weren't sure, and, and who could blame them? Because Jesus, you know, came, and they weren't expecting this. He came forward, though, and he addressed them, his beloved disciples, for one last time, and he said, I am here speaking to you with all authority of God, who has commanded me to give you this very commission. Go, go out and make disciples in all nations. Ceremonially wash them through baptism in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then disciple them. Form them in practices and postures that I have taught you, that you have seen in me, and show them how to follow the commands I have laid down before you. And I will be with you day after day, to the very end of the age. Our chapter in the book this week, um, it, it, it makes this way, you know, from this, this moment where Jesus gives this commission, and we're kind of moving on from this and seeing what happens and how the church begins to unfold. So we're in about 51 AD here, and I want you to think with me about how remarkable it is 
that the message of Jesus is still spreading and it's still strong. And these disciples with feet on the ground, they wasted no time. This is an idea from, from a disciple's perspective. For almost 20 years now, the uprising has been spreading. We still remember Jesus' words about scattering seed and seeing it grow or kneading yeast into dough and the bread will rise or extending like fruitful branches from a central vine in him. We dare believe that through tiny little seeds like us, through the yeast of our little church, Ecclesia, through the spreading of branches and this expanding movement, that this world is going to change because of us. Nobody knows exactly how many disciples there were at this time, but every day it seems that numbers were being added to their story. This was partnership, holy partnership. And it was spreading and it was growing the church. And the disciples took this direct mission from Jesus and made it their very own. People were being introduced to hope for the first time and they were being set free. They began uprisings of justice and peace and joy. And the messages were literally rippling across these lands. And so here we are in the story today. And and this message was coming through into the colony of Philippi. And this this location is about halfway between Jerusalem and Rome. So you have a lot of, number one, people who don't know this story yet. But number two, you have a lot of people who are under the umbrella of Lord Caesar, right? So in Acts chapter 16, we are given a glimpse of a very remarkable partnership that we see leaving an unforgettable impact. So this is the partnership of Paul and Silas. After Paul had commanded a spirit of fortune-telling to come out of a slave girl that he had encountered, in the name of Jesus, she was set free. And she had no more trances and no more powers of telling fortunes. And consequently, she couldn't make any money for her slave owners that had been exploiting her as a girl, as a young girl. And they were not happy about that. So they came to Paul and Silas and, and, you know, confronted them. Like, why would you do this? I mean, this was our money. This was our income. She was our means to, you know, to make money. And, And Paul wanted to set her free. So the slave owners took Paul and Silas, they brought them before the the people, they stripped them down, they were beaten, they were thrown into prison. Paul and Silas set off an uprising of the power of God, even in the jail. They began raising their voices and they began singing praises to God because they had no fear and they knew that their power was from God. And as they raised their voices, there was this unprecedented earthquake that, that was unlike anything else that this city had ever encountered. Because remarkably, this earthquake came with such a force, but it did not take the jail to the ground. It simply shook open the doors of the jail cells and let the chains that they were bound by fall. It was not an earthquake of destruction, but it was an earthquake of freedom and liberation. So at this time, the jailer was distraught because he was imagining the amount of trouble that he would get in if all the prisoners were set free or they got out and under his watch. But when he heard Paul cry out, no, wait, we're here. We're all still here. He could not believe that they would stay on his behalf, that they would save him from suffering for their escape. So the jailer comes before Paul and Silas and he falls on his knees trembling and he says, What must I do to experience the liberation that you have? 
And this was the same word, liberation, that was used in the setting free of this young slave girl. So he had just seen this freedom happen to this young girl. And here now the jailer is asking this question, what can I do? I want the same freedom, the same freedom that you gave to this girl. And so Paul says to him, put your confidence in the Lord Jesus and you will be liberated. The partnership of Paul and Silas was one to bring liberation and freedom to slaves, people who were bound and only had known the system of the Lord Caesar in Rome. The jailer knew the ways of the Lord Caesar, but he saw Paul's invitation to begin this life under a different Lord, under a new kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, which is characterized by true freedom and true grace and true peace. And this dynamic partnership is one among many that we see taking off in the early days of the church, right? So you see people, these, these disciples, these followers, they're, they're joining together and they're getting on mission because they knew they had work to get done. Partnerships that took the message of Jesus to the masses in hopes that, that this would prevail and that, that message of hope would go to all. And it's these very partnerships like Paul and Silas, that's why we have the story that we have today. So they got on mission, and here we are with the same opportunity to begin to tell the same story, to retell that same story, to spread hope and good news. It is meant to be what is ingrained in our hearts. It is meant to be what drives us and propels us towards the radical wellness that God's design in his creation first started. The kingdom of God, it looks like all things blessing, all things. It has been a partnership in front of us all along, right? So what do our partnerships look like now? So you have Jesus giving the disciples this commission and they are, they are compelled to go, right? They, they, have, they feel a sense of urgency that the work that they have before them, it's, it's now. It's, it's, it's ready. They need to get going. And then you see that this church begin to unfold. In the book of Acts, we read about the, the gatherings of people and the message of, of Jesus being told and shared and people being liberated and set free. Paul and Silas, and in the work that they did, they got to the ground and they got busy, right? The partnerships that we have right now they are not that much different than they were at that time. Our partnerships look like us and God when we find our home with the Father. Our partnerships look like us and this earth. We talked about that last week with, with Earth Day and just remembering that we are stewards of this beautiful p- the planet and the creation all around us. Our partnerships look like us and one another. When we look at the person next to us or we see the people that we are surrounded by and we decide that we can do better because we're together, not alone. Our partnerships are us and our families, the people that are closest to us, the people that are in our core, that we have been given and blessed with and gifted with, that we can do this life together. The partnerships we have are us and our friends, us and each other, us and our neighbors. And when you are looking for a partner, don't imagine that you have to look very far. In fact, those that you were intended to lock arms with and to do life with and to be on mission together are often most likely right where you, where you are. 
So has anybody ever read the book, The Alchemist? Does anyone know that book? Liz, one, one, only one. Everybody, go read. Oh, more. Okay, more. So if you don't know the story of this, you need to read this book. So it's a beautiful story, and I'm only going to give you like this short, very small, small version. So Santiago has a dream, and he's this young shepherd boy, and he sleeps under a sycamore tree by this abandoned church, and he has this reoccurring dream as a child that there is treasure, and there's treasure out there for him to be found, hidden treasure in the Egyptian pyramids. And so he, he has this dream, and it keeps coming to him, and it keeps coming to him. And finally, he speaks it. He shares it with this woman, and she encourages him. You know, he, like, he needs to go and kind of and see, this, see this happen. So he ends up going on this journey, and there's all types of adventure there's, that you need to read the book to hear, all kinds of things that he goes through. And when he finally arrives at the pyramids, he starts digging, because this is where the treasure is. And he's gone on this long journey to get to the, to get to the pyramids. So he gets there and he starts digging and he's digging and he he doesn't find anything in fact there's no treasure to be found he's looked everywhere and he cannot find the hidden treasure so at this time kind of the, the the story takes a turn and he's actually robbed and beaten up by a group of thieves and so it, it's kind of interesting because he's this happens to him but then he turns around and he tells the robbers this is the reason why I came here. Like, I, I came all this way because I was looking for hidden treasure. And, you know, they, they share this moment where he shares with them, that's why I traveled. So interestingly enough, one of the thieves says to Santiago, well, actually, I have had my own dream about buried treasure. And let me tell it to you. And so he says to Santiago that I've had a dream that there is a buried treasure that exists under a tree back by an abandoned church. So sure enough, Santiago takes his journey and he heads all the way back home where he first got started. He returns back to the church where he had his first dream and right there, buried under the sycamore tree where he sleeps, he finds the treasure waiting for him there. His treasure was always right there and it took him journeying far away from home for him to recognize that it had always been there all along. Our very best partnerships are often right where we are. And sometimes I think we spend a lot of our time thinking that they need to be grand, that they need to be big, that we need to travel to the Egyptian pyramids because we're going to find our our very best treasure there, the big, the great, and the grand. And often what God is saying, just stop looking. Stop journeying to find what is already right where you're standing that's buried right underneath the ground that your feet are already planted in. Our greatest assets and tools and treasures are when we are at home, and when we are at home is when we are with God. That is our home. It's not a location, it's not a journey, it's not a destination, or if, then, then I will do this, or when I get here, that's when I've arrived, but it's when our hearts are always with him. The kingdom of God has been a partnership all along. And we were meant to continue this partnership in how we live with one another today. It is meant to be a full reflection of the glory and the goodness of God. Reflection of Genesis 1, where we see all all creation, all things in creation, blessing all things. That there is a goodness that exists between one another. And that is not lost on today. 
But if we stop the mission and if we don't keep partnering and we don't keep retelling that hope and, and that beauty and that glory and that goodness, that will cease if we don't keep sharing the mission and the commission that Jesus brought before us. Um, I'm going to invite Liz and AJ to come up, and, and Jeff's actually going to come up here in just a minute. To We're going to move on in a time of our, our worship with our giving and um, in a time of worship for you. And I, I, just, I just want you guys to be thinking as we worship together and, and we kind of transition in our thoughts. I want to ask you, who are you intentionally partnering your life with? Are there people that you recognize that if you, if you just would grab hold of them and, and say, hey, I want to do better because you're a part of me. And like, I feel like you bring me to a bigger place and a better place because I'm inspired by you. And I want to do the same thing. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's one person. But sometimes you just need to say it out loud. Like, I, I need a life person to help so that I can better reflect the story of who God is. Maybe you don't know who that person is, but maybe you're looking too far off instead of looking right where you are. And I've um, asked Jeff to come up, and he's going to take us into a time of our giving and worship. And, um, and I, I want to just to leave that with you in your thoughts today. And uh, that's all I have written for you. <laughs> I love you guys, and uh, Jeff's going to come on up here. Light check one. There we go. So as we enter a time of giving this morning, it's always kind of funny to me how God works. And jo honestly, Jody and I do not have any communication with each other throughout the week as to what she's going to say and kind of what's on her mind and, and what I'm going to talk about as far as giving. But I have a, a topic that's really been on my mind the last couple of weeks that, that I want to try to put out to you guys this morning and relate it back to giving. And I want to ask you this morning if you felt this way in the last couple of weeks. Have you felt buried or drowned beneath a huge mass? Buried or drowned beneath a huge mass. And that mass can be a lot of things. It can be friendships. It could be laundry. It could be your job. It could be just a lot of different circumstances going on in your life. Have you felt that way? If I ask you this morning to sit down and physically make a list of the things that you have done in the last week, the last two weeks of your life, what would that list look like? Would it be one that could, you know, maybe fit on this little piece of paper? Or would it be one that you could stretch the paper from the ceiling of this church all the way down to the floor with all the things that, that you've done or had to do? That definition that I gave you this morning was this word, overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed in your life to where you just think, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to face tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to face the next minute. Well, for me, that's been this past week, <laughs> much like you. And I woke up Monday, and I'm a really busy guy by choice. I love what I do. I feel like I'm called to be where I'm at as a teacher, as a coach, as a husband, as a father. So many things that I do. I love those things, and I feel like I'm supposed to be. But this week for some reason, was really tough. I got up Monday. I'm not going to go into a lot of specifics, but 
I got to school and immediately, man, stuff was just dumped in my lap that, that wasn't supposed to be there. And I made it through and I made the mistake that evening of saying, God, you know what? You've helped me through today. I really thank you for your help. It can't get any worse tomorrow. <laughs> mistake number one. Go Tuesday, that full plate I had on Monday, it piled up even higher. Wednesday, even higher. Thursday, and I'm like, God, this is getting really ridiculous now. I've, I've really had enough. And then Friday, had a huge event I had to put on. Got through that, and I got home, and I immediately felt like, Phew, I've made it. Another circumstance comes up at school that I've got to deal with now on Monday. So for me, it's been crazy. I feel overwhelmed. Have you ever felt that way? I think we all have to that point. So I started thinking about, well, you know what? If we as humans feel that way, what does the Bible say about that? Does it say anything about it? Because I imagine Jesus always is this guy who has everything under control. I always have this image of him just walking along the road, doing everything he's supposed to do, being this calm, cool, collected guy. And I'm like, why can't I be more like him in that manner? But as I begin to look, I looked in the book of Mark, and I saw in chapter 1 that Jesus had spent all day doing all these dramatic things. He had taught, he had preached, he had healed people. There were hundreds of people coming to him just saying, God, can you just heal me? And it says in chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Rising up very early in the morning while it was dark, Jesus went to be by himself to pray. He was overwhelmed. There was a lot of things that he had to endure that day. Then it says in Mark chapter 6, his disciples, he had just split them up two by two, sent them off to do all kinds of things, preach, teach, cast out demons. They all come back to Jesus. They just learned that John the Baptist had been killed. They were overwhelmed. Jesus simply says, guys, there's so much been going on. A quiet place over here and get some rest. And then in Mark chapter 14, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. We know what's fixing to happen. He's pouring his soul out to God. He basically says, God, I know what's about to happen, but my soul is simply overwhelmed. So there were there was instances in the Bible where Jesus probably felt a little bit overwhelmed with what all he had to do. What does that have to do with giving? You know, sometimes in our life, I think so many circumstances dictate who we are, where we have to be, how we have to act, that we get overwhelmed, that giving just takes a back seat, doesn't it? It does for me. There's something here at church that I need to do. Well, I, I, I can't do that, God. I, I've got all these things to do. I'm so tied up in all this. I, I can't do that. You're overwhelmed with your finances. God, I don't know how I'm going to make it another day. God, I, I, I don't have money to put in the baskets. I'm overwhelmed, so giving takes a back seat. But, you know, I'm glad this morning to know that I serve a God that even when I feel like I can't go any farther and things are totally out of my control that he's always there for me to pick me back up and say, you know what, Jeff? I've still got your hand, buddy. I'm still with you. I'll be there to help you get through today and tomorrow. And these guys are fixing to sing an awesome song. And it, I, I happen to say two lines in it. It says, when my faith gets tired and my hope seems lost. Basically, when I'm overwhelmed, the song says, God, you and I still dance together. Um, you can be seated for just a moment, and we're going to kind of wrap up here. But I'd love for the band, like when we're done, done, you should play that again, because I feel like that's really good, like,
It's like, go get the day started music. I like it. This um, is a good partnership. It's a good partnership. They were listening. I like it. Um, I do want to make just a few announcements, and then I'm going to share one more thing with you. But um, back in the back in the lobby, there's a big board that says Sunday's coming up. So we have some Sundays coming up that you need to know about. Um, Mother's Day, that will include child dedications. That's on May 13th. We're definitely still looking for people who are interested in participating in that. Um, We do have a big family meeting coming up on May 20th. That will be a potluck after the service. Um, For those of you who are members here at the Grove, water baptisms coming up in June. Um, And there's different ways to connect and get involved with the church in the board that says ways to connect. So you could go and check that board out. Um, Also, I want to just point out to you um, over here to my left, um, Maggie has made these beautiful mugs and um, in just kind of honor of Joe's life. And she's going to continue be to continue be making them. They have a beautiful um, grove um, uh, like sticker kind of thing stamp in the middle um, that says the grove. And she's uh, all the proceeds are going straight to support Maggie and Arlie. So um, there might be one or two that have a sold sign on them. But if you would want to check those out, um, we would love to have you guys um, to, to have a piece of that from her, made, made by her, um, in just remembrance of Joe and just um, helping support their family. So, um, so there's this really short little book that is called Let Your Life Speak, and it's by Parker Palmer. And one of the images that I just absolutely love in this book is he talks about the kingdom of God. Is, it's, it's like this big picture of a garden that we're all working and it's, and it's all of us together, kind of like backs to the sun where we're, where our knees are in the, in the dirt and we're getting, we're getting to work. And what he talks about is, you know, when we're, you know, shovel in the hand and digging in the ground, that it's up to all of us partnering together to see the new life come, to see the new life continue to come time and time again, to tend to that soil, to do it with each other. And so sometimes I just kind of picture that you know, just kind of get that image in my, my mind of just all of us working together, partnering side by side, working that garden, that kingdom, so that new life keeps coming and new life keeps giving. And sometimes when you are overwhelmed and you feel like you're not the one that can give at this moment, there are people that are right around you that are ready to give to you too. So it's, it's a partnership. It's a taking care of each other in all of our highs and lows and, and learning to respond when, when we need to be the ones to, to, to love the person around us, to be the ones to serve around us. So it's a give and receive, you know. Um, I, I would love that you guys are here with us today, and I just thank you for being here. Um, I'd love for us to stand and just and pray, and maybe the band can pay, play us that cool jam, and we can um, head out the door. God, thank you so much for this beautiful community of people. Thank you for the beautiful partnerships that we have right here with each other and in this community. Uh, It is an an unbelievable group of people to do life with. And time and time and time again, I am so blessed to watch how people here love each other, love the, 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 the other reach out and, and do your work. And I, I pray that that would just continue to inspire us, that we would see this mission in Scripture and see how it has been given to us and handed down to us to keep telling, to keep giving the hope to this world. 
And I, I pray that we would take that to heart and take that with us today. And we, we thank you for this day and your thoughts and your, your words and how you move in us and speak to us and continue to do so today, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.